0: Father God, we give thanks for your awesome word and we pray now that you would fill us with your spirit. May we hear the things that you want us to hear this evening and forget the things that you want us to forget. In the name of Jesus, your son, amen. So for the last few weeks and the coming weeks, we in our evening service, perhaps you know already, are exploring the fruit of the spirit. Acknowledging that the fruit of the Spirit, the nine things that are mentioned in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithlessness, gentleness, and self-control are all one thing. But they kind of have their own attributes as well. And it's good sometimes to focus on those things. So we've had love and we've had joy. And now we are having peace. And that's quite a bizarre word Even saying it out loud can conjure up a number of different images in our mind's eye. Maybe individual to us. For some the word peace might build an image of a hippie. Or somebody seeking after peace. A harangued mother. You name it really. Peace. For me when I think about peace. I think about a table with four generations of a family who were sat there. And over Sunday lunch one day, a question is asked, what do you want? What do you want most out of life? And the youngest, the child says, I want more toys. Their parent says, I want more money. The grandparent says, I want more time to do the things that I want to do, see the parts of the world that I want to see. And the great-grandparent, who is old and a bit creaky, says, I just want a bit of peace. Get into that point in the life where none of the other things matter, but peace really does. And strange as it is to say, Jesus, in our reading this evening, though he was a young man, round about 33, was kind of in that same place as well. He'd gone on the adventures for three years through Judea, he'd been to Jerusalem, and he was heading there once again. He knew what was in store for him when he got there. It was pain, it was suffering, it was death. It was rising again before ascending to heaven. He was coming to the end of his time in body on earth. What did he talk about? He talked about peace and the importance of peace and seeking to give peace to his disciples and the importance of them Share in peace, and for those who will follow in those disciples' footsteps to have peace as well. Jesus was the Prince of Peace. And as we see in this reading already, the peace that he had is the peace that he shared. It's the peace that comes from heaven, the peace that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit that was complete in Jesus. That same Holy Spirit that lives in us. So if we are seeking God's Spirit in us, if we are seeking to do the things that Jesus did, if we are seeking to be Christ-like, then peace has to play a part in that. When we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, peace isn't a minor one. It is central, as they all are. And thankfully, when it comes to peace, there is a lot that the Bible has to say on it. In fact, if you read through the whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you can kind of see peace mentioned in three kind of different categories. There's worldly peace, there's personal peace, and there's a kind of interpersonal peace as well, all equally significant. Maybe the hardest thing for us as God's people to get our head around is worldly peace because that in itself is quite a secular concept. The world is at war. It's at war right now. We know the story of what's happening in Ukraine. However, we also know that the world has always been at war. Peace has not always been there. And in fact, times of peace are very much in the minority. Since the end of the Second World War in 1945, it's estimated that throughout that time till today, there have been only 26 complete days of peace in the world. On every other day, a war conflict has raged somewhere. Our nation, perhaps, may not be involved, but other nations are. War terrorism, upset on a global scale, is a reality. And it's been a reality since Cain killed Abel, the fall of humanity. And reassuringly, we are told that it will continue to be a reality until Christ returns. We can't escape war. But is that to say that We do nothing about it. And the truth is, absolutely not. We, like Jesus, are called to be peacemakers. And we have so much that we can do, even on this massive, huge, phenomenal scale. Now, I'm not going to say to my boy, Pete, Pete, do yourself a favor. Get yourself over to Russia and do a bit of negotiating. How are you? Because... That's not going to happen. Well, who knows with his secret life and what he can do. But <laughs> we'd imagine that for most of us, that's not something we can do. And yes, we need to play for politicians. And yes, we need to play for diplomats. And we need to pray for people in power who can do things. And we need to pray for aggressors as well as we need to pray for victims. But the key is pray. When times of trouble come, We exercise the greatest weapon that we have. And it's not a bomb. It's not a sword. It's not a gun. The greatest weapon that we have is prayer. And when it comes to big, global, worldly things that we feel like we have no control over, we are called to pray all the more. But it's frustrating because sometimes when we pray, we think, well, this is achieving absolutely nothing. Hands up if we've prayed for the Ukraine, probably all of us at some point, but that war still carries on. So the big question comes, why do we do it? And I remember myself being an obnoxious, recently ordained person, and being on a training course with Molly's in college, talking about intercessions in church, I'm thinking I was something special, asking, so why do we do it then? It don't make a difference, does it? And this really wise lecturer just saying to me, well, I do it because I know God cares. And I do it because I know that God listens. And if God is listening, anything is possible. To get political for just a moment, many of you know I was at the prayer breakfast in Westminster just on Monday. And I was expecting that to just be almost a political event in itself. Go in, say a few prayers, get the train back home, show your face to the local MP, have a bit of a giggle and eat a muffin for breakfast. But I was shocked when I went there very early in the morning, way too early, that it was an incredibly spiritual occasion. There was an amazing time of worship there. The word was preached fully, without compromise. And when people prayed, they prayed earnestly. I was expecting some kind of Anglican fudge to happen, but it wasn't. It was real kingdom stuff. And I've said to anyone who listened, I saw the then health secretary, Sarva walking past me, and I thought, what a div. He looks like he's in a bad mood. He had other things going on on that day. But, (laughs) it's interesting today, watching how he referenced that moment against his resignation and the subsequent fall of what was happening and a need for change. Now we can argue about politics, but I believe, and maybe it's just me, that actually God was at work there in something that was far bigger than any human could do. God was quite literally at work to change a nation. God was doing it. And as I was coming home on the train that day, seeing news come through, and my life, something's really happened here. And this prayer really does work. And when it comes to praying for peace, yes, even in Ukraine and other parts of the world, we need to have that same earnest prayer because our hope is in the Lord. And we really need to get our heads around what hope means in a biblical concept. You see, when we use the word hope, for us often, we think about Lost causes. I hope that Wales will win the Rugby World Cup next year. It's unlikely to happen. I hope that Mirtha Town will climb the divisions and eventually end up in the Premiership with a mega-rich billionaire taking us all the way. It's not going to happen. I hope that the sun will keep on shining in Abba and the rain will never come. It's not going to happen. I hope that my hay will grow back one day. It's not going to (laughs) happen. But we all have these kind of hopes, don't we? We have these hopes, but really they're not hopes. They're more like dreams. When the New Testament talks about hope, it uses this wonderful Greek word, elpas, and it uses it 50 times in the New Testament. And it is hope with certainty. It isn't just hope as in I dream. It is hope as in the knowledge of this will be. When we say, I hope I will be forgiven, it means I am forgiven. When we say, I hope that the Lord loves me, it means he loves us. And when it means I hope the peace will come, it means that peace will come. And we see that played out in the scripture again if you jump forward to Revelation. When Jesus returns, Jesus comes to bring peace to the whole world. Jesus will win the victory. We sing it pretty much every week in church how Christ is the victor and Christ already has won the victory that is coming. But that's no excuse either to wait and say there's nothing we can do now. We don't wait for that day even though we know wars will always cease because we know that there's peace in heaven but we also pray your kingdom come on earth As it is in heaven. When we pray that prayer, we pray that what happens in heaven will happen in earth. And that goes along with stories of healing, that goes along with stories of miracles, and that goes along with great stories of miracles of bringing peace to earth. When we pray, we're not just going through the motions of praying these intercessions for Ukraine or Russia or anywhere else where war strikes. We are praying in the hope that the Lord can do. We've sang it this evening. Glory to God who is able. Do we really believe that he is able or are we just singing those words? Do we believe it or are we just saying it because it sounds nice and, heck, Sam's got a great voice? Are we just singing along with him and clear or do we really mean it? God is able. When we pray for peace... We acknowledge that he is able. We pray that El us, that hope, that God can indeed do all things. This isn't a motion to go through. This is an earnest pray to pray. And I think that all of us want to pray that prayer as well. We are called to be peacemakers by praying for peace but we're also called to be peacemakers with each other. And that's where the personal concept of priest comes in. And weirdly, this is a bit harder for us to get our heads around. We can know that war is wrong. Many of us will find no problem should Vladimir Putin repent and withdraw from Ukraine to forgive him. But that bloke who takes our car parking space that we are waiting for that's a far harder thing to deal with dealing with people is a hard thing dealing with people who we work with dealing with people who we live with dealing with members of our family dealing with people we sit with in church is a far harder thing to do and we know that there is conflict there and we know that there is a lack of peace there as well in all those facets of life, from our place of work, to our church, to our family, and everywhere in between. And sometimes, we don't do anything about it. And there could be any number of reasons why we don't do something about it. One is, we love a grudge and a bit of drama. Sometimes, it's far easier and fulfilling to hold on to that grudge than it is to find forgiveness and offer peace. Peace. Sometimes spiritually, it is hard to forgive and move on. And sometimes it just feels like there's so many things going on that there is nothing we can do about it. But just like we know that war will always be a reality, so we know that interpersonal conflicts with each other will always be a reality as well. We will always fall out with somebody somewhere along the line. And when that happens, we need to know the peace of the Lord that comes with that as well. We need to know what forgiveness looks like. And we need to be willing to forgive just the same. So often, tensions come into a family, come into a workplace, come into a church because of outside influences Earlier on in Holy Trinity, I was telling everyone about when I was in theological college, I did a module on marriage guidance. And I had to write as my assignment for that a marriage course. Now, Kai's Five Steps to a Successful Marriage never got published, most of the shame. But the one thing I learnt about it all was in a marriage, as in all relationships, we tend to fall out the most when Outside influences like finance being a struggle, like attention being taken away, like busyness come in. Things that we can't control lead to conflict. And it's the same with us even in the church. These things that are beyond our control sneak in. Suffering sneaks in. Things come and they take our peace away. And the devil loves it because there's nothing he wants to do more than cause division and hurt amongst God's people. The Lord wants to see families break... No, the devil wants to see families break up. The devil wants to see churches split and go their separate ways. But the Lord wants to see peace come. And here in Wales, it is a real problem. You know, throughout the world, Wales is known as the land of revival. We have seen three major revivals over the centuries. And we've seen times when literally thousands upon hundreds of thousands and millions of people have come to faith in a short period of time. And the rest of the world marvels that this land that we live in because of these revivals happen. But did you know also, there are more registered denominations in Wales than in anywhere else in the world. We have a revival then we settle down and have a barney about it and everyone goes their separate ways. You can almost see the devil directly at work in what we do. We need to understand it and we need to have forgiveness always on hand to use and we need to be peacemakers and we need to be peacemakers with each other. Now we are all lovely people but none of us are above holding a grudge None of us are above taking offense. And none of us are above holding forgiveness. And sometimes we don't offer forgiveness because we've been hurt so badly by people. And that's why we really need God's Holy Spirit upon us to help us. It's not just as easy as saying, I forgive you. I've done this lots of times. I forgive someone and then I keep having it replayed in my mind. You know, you have an argument, I forgive you. Then you replay the argument. And I'm a nightmare as well for arguing with somebody who isn't there. You know, I'll go to bed at night and then I'll have the argument. And then I'll have the witty line that I should have said in the argument that would have closed it off. Replaying all these things. That's not the forgiveness. To truly forgive, we need God's Spirit to help us to forgive. And that's why the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are intertwined. They come from the same place. The Holy Spirit they come from God. We need peace amongst each other as much as we need peace in the world. And that's the peace sometimes that is the hardest to give. But maybe not the hardest of all. Because the hardest peace of all to have sometimes is the peace that we have in ourselves. That interpersonal peace. You know, we live with each other, but we have our own thoughts. We live with each other, but we have our own minds. We live with each other and we can bear with each other, but we have our own struggles. And so many of those struggles we don't share. I know and I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that I struggle with my anxiety. I'm all confident right now, but later on, I won't be. I will worry about absolutely anything. And I've done for as long as I can remember. And I guess I'm not alone in all of that. You know, the Bible has this wonderful word in the Old Testament, which many of you know already for peace, which is shalom. Wholeness, directly translated, an inner peace inside of us. A peace that comes directly from God. The shalom of God, the peace of God, resting upon us and this is a peace that the world just can't give you this is a peace that can only come through God and it can only come through spending time with God I can only come with acknowledging truly who God is you might have heard me tell this story before so forgive me if you've already heard it but 16 or so years ago when I was having a kidney transplant on the day of the operation. I was all over the show. They'd taken my dad down to like, whip his out. And then I was waiting for a few hours to go down. And I decided to take myself for a little walk through the Heath Hospital. And I was strutting along, and I don't think I'm lying here, in a luminous green um, dressing gown and a pair of novelty slippers. And I was shaking like this. And eventually a nurse looked at me, went, "'Are you all right?' "'Yeah, I'm great.' "'You're clearly not, love.' go back to bed (laughs) so I went to my bed and there was nothing else I could do but read my bible and I read my bible and I always remember this beautiful South African nurse saying to me that she was a Christian as well and sharing some of her faith I prayed and I don't know what happened because when they came to get me to go for that operation I have never felt such a sense of calm calmer than I feel right now Calmer than I feel at home. Calmer than I feel when I'm going about my duties. Calmer than I feel like I'm doing something I really love. It was an incredible sense of peace that I just can't explain. It was that shalom of God, I'm sure. And I was laughing, I was joking, I was telling a few tales as they were wheeling me down. And I was probably being a bit obnoxious, to be honest. But that peace was there. And one thing I think I've learned in this years that I've been on this planet is as much as you get nervous about something, when it comes up to it, the Lord is with you. And that peace is there. I go for doctor's appointments, very regularly, hostel appointments. And for a week or so before, I'll be petrified. I'll go to the waiting room and I'm all right. Because I know the Lord is there and the Lord is with me. That peace, that shalom falls upon me. And that shalom falls upon all of us as well, that peace of God, the peace of God who surpasses all understanding, that keeps our hearts and minds focused on him. Peace isn't just a nice word. Peace isn't a word for dreamers. Peace isn't a word for all puppy dogs and ice cream and all things nice and an impossible thing to achieve for. Peace is a reality and a reality from God and a gift from God and something that comes from the Lord's spirit. And whether that is on a world stage, whether it's in our local stage, whether it's in ourselves as well, that is the peace that the Lord gives to us. That is the peace that the Lord promises us. And that is the peace that we need to seek. And I'm just going to pray for us now. And I'm going to pray on these three issues as well. And I really get a sense as well, for those who especially struggle with anxiety, to allow the Lord to minister to you this evening. And for those who know people who struggle with anxiety as well, to allow the Lord to minister to them. So let's pray. Father God, we give thanks that your Son Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And we give thanks that you created a perfect world. And though through our sin we broke that world, we also give thanks that you will make all things new. And for that reason, we put our hope in you this evening. We put that helpless hope in you, that certainty in you. And Lord, we put our hope in you with things that we know are beyond our control. And we pray it over the conflict that rages throughout the world that robs of peace. And whether that's direct conflict in Ukraine and Russia right now, or other parts of the world, things that are hidden from us, acts of terror, domestic violence places where hurt is happening, we pray your peace into those situations. And we pray earnestly in the power of your name that your peace would come. We pray, Lord, knowing that you are listening to us now. We pray your peace upon it all. And we pray for peace in our communities as well, whatever they look like. And whether that's in our families, our friendship groups, the places where we live, or even in our church, we pray for peace. And Lord, we pray this evening for those who may be struggling with forgiveness, to offer forgiveness. And we pray, Lord, that through the power of your Spirit now, you would help that forgiveness to come. And we pray that that freedom would come in your name as well. We pray your freedom over it all. And as forgiveness comes, that sense of freedom would come also. We pray that now. We pray, Lord, for people who we are struggling with, people who wind us up, people who cause us to spare, and people who take away our ease. We lift them to you, and we give thanks for them now, giving thanks that they are created in your image and we pray Lord for the peace that we need to feel today we pray for the shalom your shalom to come upon us that sense of wholeness and peace to fall we pray for those of us who are struggling with anxiety those of us who are carrying worries and whether those things are for this week ahead whether they are for today Whether for the future, we pray for your peace to come and your wholeness to come. We pray it now, your peace to fall upon us all. So bring your peace, we pray, upon us. I pray for those of us who are struggling to find rest. Pray for those of us who are struggling to find sleep. Pray for those of us who are being disturbed with our minds, those of us who are living out arguments, those of us who are struggling with thoughts, I pray your peace to come. I pray your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So may your peace rest on us now, we pray. In the name of Jesus, your Son.